You grew up right here. Same rules that I did. Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the fucking town. <laughs> yes. From 2010, Ben Affleck directed. This is one of his comeback movies. He does Gone Baby Gone in 2007, Town in 2010. Argo in 2012 and then he appears in Gone Girl in 2014 and you're like holy shit Ben Affleck is back baby and then he becomes Batman and now we're where we're at now you know and and we're still reeling but I, I think this is what he's about I think I think Big Ben is a guy who <laughs> who's gonna have ups and downs clearly you know as, as and he's so fascinating and the town is my favorite movie that he's ever been in it's definitely my favorite of his his directorial uh you know outings. And this movie is so dear to my heart. I'm so glad Jeremy Renner was nominated so that we could bring this movie to this show. Uh that's the that's the only nomination. Best supporting actor, Jeremy Renner as James Coughlin. Fucking gem. <laughs> uh, he's a gem. <laughs> he's so, so good. I'm I'm very, very excited to talk about this one. I've had it circled since we started the show. It's not my favorite 2010 movie that probably belongs to the social network, but this is the movie I want to talk about most from this year, from this ceremony, the 83rd Academy Awards. I'm so excited. We're going to be giving awards out to the town. We're going to talk about the 83rd Academy Awards at the end of the show. We're going to do a project here in a bit, a top five. Um, it is top five best supporting actor nominations, uh, nominees. So no winners, you know, all, all the guys who have won from, from 2010 to 2019, all those guys are off the table, but from 2010 to 2019, anybody who was just nominated is up for the top five. So we've both, you know, compiled a list here. Super excited. Cause I think this is our mutual favorite category at the Oscars, along with probably screenplay. We both love a good gritty screenplay and we love a good supporting, you know, uh, character actor performance. So this is going to be sick, man. I'm, so stoked uh the town it's on netflix uh and hbo max i believe uh connor you you have it on your voodoo so you fucking own this movie what what did you think going down going down you know uh to charlestown this time <laughs> this was this is my second time with the town and the first time i watched it i remember thinking like oh that was cool and then i just had it in my head as like yes i like that movie and then i watched it <laughs> this time and i couldn't look away and i'm like this is fucking badass how did this not get way more attention yeah yeah it's just it's lightning from beginning to end it's such a tight screenplay every character counts it is brilliant and this this might be like this is in my top five favorites of the year by a lot oh for sure and like this should have been in best picture this should have been in screenplay affleck should have been up for director like this should have made a splash and it's yeah, it now counts like it went up a couple points with my score. It's it's a like if I could give halves, it's a nine point five. Like, mm, it is yes, same, a same. great movie. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I've been just pumped to kind of just bring that bring all that shit out tonight. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. It's not perfect. There are little things you could kind of pick at, but man, it's damn close. It's damn close to being a perfect movie. And it's one of those that if you know, you know, you know, and like when you find someone who loves the town, you're like, oh, I'm about to have a good fucking conversation right now. This is going to be great. It's it's one of my favorite Boston movies, one of my favorite heist movies. It just has all these great things going for it. And it's 
It's definitely spiritually calling out to Heat and Reservoir Dogs and all these different movies that just crank the intensity up and give you just this adrenaline rush for two hours, you know? And I'm so obsessed with this movie. I've seen it so many times. It's the definition of a rewatchable movie because if I see it on TV, I've said this before about some movies, not about every movie we do. You know, recently we, we did Coming Home. That's not a movie you're like, oh, I'm just going to watch Coming Home on a random fucking Tuesday. But The Town is one of those. If it's 1 a.m. and there's about an hour left of the movie, fuck it. Like, I'll, I'll watch the fucking North End, you know, uh, bank robbery scene. Uh, what, what when they go f- fucking go to the bridge, you know, that's how you fucking drive a car, you know, like the I'll, I'll watch it from any given point. I will continue watching it. And I'll finish the fucking thing, you know, and I'll see Ben Affleck with his beard out in Florida looking out at the water like, yeah, see you on the other side, you know, <laughs> and you're like, it, it's it's kind of cheesy at times, but it works. I don't fucking know how to explain it. It's like lightning in a bottle, man. I, I'm obsessed with this movie. It's the it's something about the heist movie, man. It's just it's such a cool formula that is insanely reliable. And because of all the research we do for these shows, you know, I've got so many random, you know, mental callbacks when I'm watching these movies now. And this time I could not stop thinking about Sterling Hayden in the killing. Like mm. Affleck's character mm. reminded me so much of, of Hayden in the killing. And I just kept thinking like, this is, you know, this is evolution. This is, yeah. this is what film is. And it was just so enjoyable to have that own like, you know, personal chess match with myself. It was really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's one of those callback movies that is just is just stealing things here and there and for, forms it into this brilliant movie from 2010 that I, I believe is going to last forever. I think it has its fans and they're going to stick by it as one of the better, you know, bank heist movies of all time. You know, it's on that Mount Rushmore of seriously good heist movies. And man, I'm so excited to get into it. Uh, I, I do want to hear about some things you've been watching because I got a couple things I want to talk about. So we'll, we'll kind of dive into what we've been getting into this past week before we properly get into our top five and before we properly get into the town. So what have you been getting into? Well, uh, last week for beyond the bad, uh, Caleb and I tackled the 1976 King Kong. So yes. I wanted to get some Kong text, as I said, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wa- <laughs> I watched the 1933 original King Kong and I watched Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong. And then I watched, of course, you know, the seventies King Kong. And I got to say, I never want to see a giant monkey again. I am burned out on King Kong. (laughs) Yeah. But that thirties movie is a gem. It still holds up. It still looks incredible. It's got very little fat on it. I think Peter Jackson's Kong is cool looking, but it is insanely bloated. Yes. Need doesn't need a lot of that. But to me, like, they got it right the first time. 1933's King Kong is one of the best monster movies of all time. And for what they were able to do with animatronics and puppetry back then, it looks insanely good. Uh, in addition... Almost, a, almost 100 years old. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's Ray Harryhausen, you know, the, the, the OG, the original monster guy. Uh, you know, the guy did Jason and the Argonauts and the... Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and all of that stuff, you know. The, the restaurant in Monsters, Inc. is named after him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good watch. Uh, all the Kong movies, or most of them, are on HBO Max. If y'all ever want to, you know, 
marathon, eight hours of Kong. I don't recommend it. Space that shit out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So because of the Kong, I didn't have, I wasn't really in tune with a lot of other stuff, but I did manage to watch on Netflix, uh, 2018's The Legacy of a Whitetail Deer Hunter. Oh, that one's interesting. Isn't it? Weird move. Weird film. Yeah. Yeah. It was. That's Josh. That's. Oh, Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Josh Brolin and Danny McBride as just like, you know, hunting enthusiasts filming like <laughs> you know, hunting videos and thinking yeah. they're hot shit, but probably are selling like three copies. Yeah. Uh, and Brolin's trying to take his, you know, 12 year old son on his first hunting trip, not realizing his son could give a fuck. And they're, you know, the, the, the movie's about them trying to bond. And there are moments that are really genuine and really good. But for me, it was like, is this a comedy? Is this a drama? It didn't really make, it didn't commit to either one. So it kind of got lost. And uh, yeah, just not a lot of people talking about it. I wanted to give it a shot because I'm a big fan of Brolin and McBride. So now I've seen it and yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. It's kind of the, one of those movies it's like, yeah, I, I've seen it. So moving on. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. I remember watching it like when around when it came out with, with some of my friends and we were all like, the fuck is this you know just such an odd odd film you know just so like people made that you know like humans were like yeah let's let's get together and work on this you know and i thought it was kind of funny kind of clever you know little satire type stuff but yeah i'm I'm probably never gonna watch it again you know just came and went in my life so i totally understand that uh it's weird that it's already four years old um Fucking crazy how time flies. It's just awesome that Josh Brolin was like, yeah, I'll play Thanos, but I'm also going to do this weird fucking movie, you know? <laughs> he had a mind-blowing 2018. I mean, there was, you know, Whitetail Deer Hunter, Infinity War, Deadpool 2, Sicario 2. Like, damn. Was was that the year? Oh, fuck, it's escaping me. Uh, that Firefighter movie. Um, only, only the Brave. I think that came out in 2018 as well, or 2017 maybe. Um, I'm finding out fucking, right now. Fucking love that movie. Him and Miles Teller are both stellar. I thought that movie got overlooked big time. That was 2017, but still 2017. Hell of a run for for Roland. He didn't have any sleep at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like to uh, like in my mind. I like to make up like most valuable performers of like a year, and I think Roland in 2018 is like, hey, I want that trophy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Cable and Thanos, uh, so pre- pretty cool stuff. Um, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I've hinted at this, I think, last week. I'm watching a lot of stuff from a specific year uh, that we're going to be covering on our next Best Picture Showdown, so I'm not going to really give that away quite yet, but I've, I've been diving in. I've watched like 10 movies from this one year in the past like week and a half, and I'm having a blast. It's a great year. So excited to do, to do that showdown um, in a few episodes. Uh, and then I watched the two newest episodes of uh, Welcome to Wrexham. I watched the, those last night uh, before I watched The Town. Uh, that's just gr- it's just great hanging out with Ryan Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. These guys are just so much fun. And now I'm, you know, the, the, a lot of this documentary was filmed last year and, and the year before when they were buying the club, yeah, Wrexham AFC. And uh, now in real life, Wrexham is like they've played seven games so far this season and they're in second place. And I'm like, come on, Wrexham. Like, <laughs> you, you know, I'm fuck, I'm like one of their fans now because the, you know, this, this documentary and because these two guys who bought it, it's really cool. And 
I love their dedication to it, and um, I'm excited to to continue with this show because it's just so far up my alley. Combining, you know, these two guys I've known for years and years of my life as as entertainers, combining it with you know my favorite sport, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then I watched I watched a new film from this year. Uh, it's on Peacock right now, and uh, it's the Black Phone, the uh, horror film. You know, Mr. Ethan Hawke, my my movie dad. Uh, and my God, you know, it's like one of my five to ten favorite performances of 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 his career already. He's just so fucking creepy, and when he's sitting in the chair with his mask on and and like a shirt off, and he's just his his feet are open, you know, open stance, and he's just sitting in a chair holding a belt. I'm like, man, you know, Ethan Hawke is frightening in this movie. Um, I liked it. I didn't like love the movie as a whole. I loved him in it. I thought it was good, but I wasn't like, oh, this is a horror classic. I, I didn't, I didn't quite get that that vibe. I thought it was, you know, I'll probably rewatch it later down the line. You know, um, I'd, I'd love Hawke, so I'll, I'll kind of go to bat for him any day of the week. Uh, but I, I was like maybe a little let down because a lot of my friends. Uh, we're just like, oh my god, this movie's you know, it's one of my favorite movies of the year type thing, and I'm like, I should have known that these people that I was talking to probably don't watch as many movies as I do, you know. And uh, I'm of course not talking about you, Connor, because you watch plenty of shit, and uh, <laughs> you know, I take your recommendations differently than other people. But a lot of my friends were just like, oh my god, you know. Uh, and I was like, yeah, it was good. I had a good time. Some stuff, whatever felt like they could have chopped off a good a good amount of it i thought the whole phone aspect of it was like a little tiresome at times uh but again hawk is putting on a clinic so that was worth it uh that's really what i've been up to um and you know and then you watch the town man you know just like uh I, i can't believe i don't own this movie i thought i did but my brother owns it uh, he, he used to live like right next to me and now he, he, he moved out. So I, I think I just thought like his shelf was my shelf type thing. Like, oh yeah, we have the same, like his collection's mine. He's given me a lot of his movies cause he's trying to like minimize, you know, his, his stuff, especially when it comes to non sports stuff. So he's like, I don't need all these DVDs cause I don't watch them on at, like he doesn't watch them as that format. And I'm, I love DVDs and Blu-rays and whatever, you know, I like physical stuff. So I thought he gave it to me or I had it. I don't know. Either way, I was safe because you have it on voodoo. I have access to that anytime I want. And it's on, you know, I watched it on Netflix. So I was like, I'm fine. It's going to be okay. Uh, this is a perfect Netflix movie. This is one of those movies that you could be hanging out with your friends and you're like, Oh, let's, you know, check out the town. You know, if you've never seen it, and it's like the perfect hangout, you know, fucking drink some beers, have some snacks, whatever, and just watch this two hour, you know, just fucking thrill ride, you know? So I, I hope it has a life forever. You know, I, I really think it, I think it will. I think it has its fans. And I think you and I are, are, are two of them. Um, Mr. Jeremy Renner, he, him being up for supporting actors, why I wanted to do this, this, this project. It's the only Oscar nomination that the town got which I know we both have some, some things to say about that. We'll do that at the end of the show. We'll talk about what we think it should have been up for, but this supporting actor, you know, category, this is, this is our bag. This is, this is our thing. We, we are obsessed with, you know, this category and what it offers and the kind of guys that are usually in it. 
Um, the category didn't start until the ninth Academy Awards, and Mr. Walter Brennan, the supporting actor GOAT, uh, as far as the Oscars go, he won the first one uh, at the ninth Academy Awards for Come and Get It, 1936. So at first, they didn't recognize this. You know, They didn't recognize these kind of performances as uh, statue-worthy. And then as time went on, it was like, okay, well, sometimes these character actors or the, these quote-unquote side characters can be just as impactful as our leads. And so it's worth giving them a category. And in my opinion, especially the past 20 years or so, I would prefer the performances of this category, especially Best Supporting Actor, the, the male category. I'd pre- prefer it over the lead. You know, uh, That doesn't mean that there's lead performances out there that I don't love. Of course there are. But I just there's something about a villain or a side guy who just just brings the heat and adds like an extra oomph to the movie that I'm, I'm always a sucker for. And I think you feel kind of the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I've always enjoyed kind of, you know, the, the side dish, you know, the main course is great, but I like, you know, what's, what's the compliment going to be? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. An actor who can, you know, add to the, to the weight of the story just by their mere presence is always just an exciting thing to watch. Uh, yeah, this has always been my favorite uh, category, mainly because it is where the character actors get to shine and get to kind of, you know, show their worth to the Hollywood machine. Mm. Uh, and yeah, this is, uh, we've had some some killer performances in the past 20 years. It's off the top of my head, you know, just like, you know, J.K. Simmons and Christoph Waltz and like these powerhouse character actors who are getting their due in ways that I, I'm just so excited for yeah yeah i think i you know some of the most memorable oscar wins from the past 20 years are yeah like you said jk simmons um i think javier bardem you know heath fucking ledger as the joker you know these are like monumental performances and it gives villains a space like a special space to operate and i think i I think that's like what i always always kind of feed off of. So uh, we want, we want to break it to break it down to the 2010s. Cause if we did, uh, you know, everything, it wouldn't make any sense. It'd be too much, you know, Jeremy Renner's up for, for the town 2010. So we want to start with that year and go to 2019. So winners are not allowed to be on the list on the top five. So I'm going to go ahead and, and name those because I do love some of these motherfuckers, you know, Christian Bale, one for the fighter. Can't argue that it's one of the best performances he's ever given us. He's, He's kind of like a villain in the movie, you know, him and Melissa Leo, who also, you know, she also got hers uh, on the other side. You know, they're kind of going against Mark Wahlberg, like what he really needs in his life. And uh, they're like, we're family, you know, <laughs> also another good Boston movie. So uh, I, I do I do love the fighter. I actually think we're probably going to be doing the fighter later on uh, later on this year, you know, because guy who directed that movie also has a movie coming out. So that'll, that'll be that'll be in a couple months. Um Christopher Plummer, rest in peace. Uh, he won for Beginners, 2011. Christoph Waltz, Django Unchained, 2012, and of course Django, and uh, you know, Inglorious Bastards. This is this is a guy who who just knows how to knows how to work this category. Christoph Waltz is one of the better supporting guys we have. You know, the past 15, you know, 10, 15 years. Uh, Jared Leto won for Dallas Buyers Club, 2013. 
It's a very interesting category, very interesting group of people there. Um, 2014, J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. In my mind, might be the best supporting actor win we've ever we've ever seen. You know, uh, he is lights out in that movie, and we are both big big fans of Whiplash. He he kind of makes it what it is. Uh, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, which is a fascinating one because Bridge of Spies hasn't really stood the test of time. It's not a movie people really talk about, and I think I think like everybody else in that category probably is better than him in their movies. I, I hate to say that. I love Mark Rylance, but I just don't think it's the strongest uh, strongest win we've seen. Um, Herschel Ali from Moonlight, 2016. It's one of my favorite wins, personal favorite wins. Uh, he's got some good competition, though, in 2016. Uh, 2017, Sam Rockwell for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. That was a bit of a controversial win. Uh, I remember when it happened, people had plenty to, plenty to say about it. I do think it's a strong performance, and he's depicting... A pretty, uh, pretty gnarly uh, cop in a podunk kind of town, and I thought that movie was effective, but it's not something I go back to a lot, you know. So uh, I do think he has competition as well. Uh, Twenty eighteen, Mahershala Ali again for Green Book. This also a very controversial win, where Mahershala Ali apologized on the stage to the family of the man he's playing in that movie. And it, it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And, you know, and then Green Book went on to win Best Picture. Not the prettiest uh, ceremony, that one. Uh, uh, Pierre Farrelly wasn't very uh, socially aware during his awards run, uh, especially at the Golden Globes. He kind of said some stupid shit. Uh, 2019, we did this movie very recently. Uh, Mr. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that was one of the most shoe-in kind of wins we've ever seen in this category. Uh, he kind of just wiped out the competition and I'll be honest, rightly so, you know, there's no one that's taking that one from him. So that's our, that's our pool 2010 to 2019. Uh, I didn't want to name any of the nominees because I don't want to step on your list and I don't want to step on my own list. We both have five people here and I know we're both picking five people. We really, really care about, and we really care about the work they're doing in this particular movie, these particular movies. So Connor, I'll let you start with your number five whenever you're ready. I had a different number five until about five minutes before we started recording and I had a change of heart. So mm. I just, me wanna... too, me too. That's yeah. funny. I just want to say real quick that if this was a top six, my number six would be Christopher Plummer for all the money in the world. Ooh, good shout. Good shout. Yeah. Just cause you know, he came onto set at three days to make a character and not only did he win that movie, he got an Oscar nomination for his trouble. That's, that's an impressive uh, achievement right there yeah that's 2017 i would i i would say that performance is just as good or better than sam rockwell's for that that particular uh, category but my true number five is nick nolte and warrior i knew this would be on yours because goddamn, you know uh, this movie's so underrated warrior another this was also the only nomination that warrior got yeah and that is a fucking travesty that movie is magical uh just a brilliant depiction of a family gone wrong because of just fucked up bullshit and nick nolte is the father figure who is responsible for creating you know two brothers with vastly different lives and he is trying to fix this one of them is open to reconciliation the other one wants fuck all to do with him and just drives him further and further down this black hole 
and you just you feel it. Nolte's performance is so incredible and so real. And just I'm glad the Academy recognized him. Uh shame he didn't win. But you know, because of that nomination, we one day get to do it on the show. So. Oh, yes. We will be doing Warrior one day. That will happen. <laughs> I, I I really, really like Warrior. If I had to give someone something, like one thing from that movie, it's Nick Nolte. He's lights out in that movie. There, there's there's scenes where he's yelling and you can see his like blood vessels popping. Yeah. You know, he's he's so into it. And and yeah, Nick Nolte's not a guy that gets talked about enough these days. And he man, he's great in Warrior. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I had to kind of just think it over and be like, you know what? I I know what belongs there. I love that. I, I think you made the right call. I think, and I've heard you talk about warrior plenty of times and I know your, your kind of admiration for it. So that's a good call. Um, I also had two people from the same year and I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, okay, which one do I like better? And, and all day I had, I had Edward Norton from Birdman all day. And I was like, you know what? I got to go with my dad. <laughs> Like, I gotta go with my father, my movie father, Ethan Hawke, as Mason Evans Sr. in Boyhood. That movie is honestly could get so fucked up if him and Patricia Arquette are not there because you're dealing with a lot of people who are not actors and you can tell. They give the movie a certain gravitas, a certain quality that lets it keep writing the way it's going. And they give it... They, you know, of course, Linklater is the man and he, he, you know, he had this cool vision of making a movie over, you know, a, over a decade. And that's a that's that's a, an achievement in itself. But what Hawk and Arquette are doing in this movie as the mother and father of these two children that were following the whole film is is so, so special. And Hawk is so believable as a dad who wasn't present and then comes back around and like chips away and chips away and chips away. And by the end of it, you're like, he's a pretty good dad. This guy like this guy gives a shit, you know. It took him a minute, but he gives a shit. By the time his son graduates high school, he's like very involved and has now a family of his own. You know, he has a new wife and another child, and he's really giving it his all. And you believe Ethan Hawke like is this guy? And I I like weep. I weep when I watch certain scenes from Boyhood. In particular, there's a scene when they're in Houston. They're about to go to an Astros game at Minute Maid Park, and they're playing um, playing tag at this park before they go to the baseball game. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember the song that's playing because um, the soundtrack's so cool. I think it's called My Good Gal, I think is the name of the song. And that so- song is playing. It's real nice, you know, kind of soft, like folky type song. And he's playing, he's playing tag with these two kids, you know, they're kind of jumping around and I'm like, Oh my God, like this is a, this is a dad, you know, this is a, a dude who cares and is present and is wants to make memories. And then later they go to the baseball game and then they go home and, you know, um, his son Mason jr. Is like, is magic real? He asks his dad is magic real. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, like elves and wizards, you're like, dad, like, is that stuff real? And he's like, well, I don't know. But if I told you, he goes on this tangent about whales, the dad. And he's like, goes on and on about them and like what they do and like how they have, you know, spout, shoot out water from the top of their head and everything. He's like, if I told you that, wouldn't you say that's pretty magical too? And the son's like, huh, 
you know it's just like fuck (laughs) that's what that i have a daughter now and that's how i want to speak to her is like you're allowed to have that kind of imagination with real life you're like allowed to feel that way fantasy and magic and all those things don't need to be stuff that you read from harry potter it can be like things that you see and ethan hawk mason senior in this movie like embodies that and it makes me just fucking break down every time i watch that movie i I'm very biased towards Linklater, very biased towards that particular film, and I had to have Ethan Hawke on my list. Yeah, there's no way we're going to do a pool involving Ethan Hawke, and he's not going to end up on your list. Yeah, yeah, even if I'm lying, even if I'm lying to myself, <laughs> he's he's got to be there. But it is cool, you know, it's, I think one of the coolest things you can do as a parent is instill a sense of wonder into your child that stays with them for the rest of their life. I mean, that's what my mom did for me, and mm. that's why I'm, you know, so whimsical, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, definitely a good strategy. Uh, yeah, Boyhood is an interesting film. I I liked it. I didn't expect to like it because I thought Linklater makes a movie over the span of ten years. This smells like a gimmick. And then yeah. I watched it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this is actually a very powerful story of life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, good call. Very good call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day we'll do it. You know, it is a three-hour movie. It's like. Not the easiest podcast movie to do, but one day I'm sure it'll pop up. And of course, if we do, um, you know, we do Birdman, we're going to be covering the other Best Picture nominees. And Boyhood is very much in that category and, uh, you know, has something to say about it. So, uh, yeah, it'll come up one day. Uh, What's your number four? My number four is one of. Now, I know I'm not alone in this, but it just. It felt too good to be true, and I wanted him to win, but the Academy was like, does he deserve an Oscar? I guess not. And that is Sylvester Stallone as Rocky motherfucking Balboa in (laughs) 2015's Creed. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it over Mark Rylance. Yes, he does. He won the Globe. At least. He put the work in. He created Rocky. He played him the entire franchise, you know, showed us the journey of this, you know, bruiser turned boxer turned husband turned father turned cool uncle and he's just the man and he's playing such a fragile you know near broken version of rocky who's lost everything and is you know been diagnosed with cancer and he's he's done fighting he doesn't want to fight he's like i want to see adrian again why should i stay here and adonis gives him something to fight for gives him a chance to rectify the worst mistake of his life which was not throwing in the towel on Apollo. And that story is so fucking good and so tight. And Stallone and Michael B. Jordan are so good together. I thought this was his time. I thought this was Stallone is going to get, you know, his due for Rocky Balboa and he didn't fucking get it. And that pissed me off so much. Yeah. Yeah. That you remember when we watched this movie when we were in Los Angeles? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was just on TV and we were like, fuck it. This movie rules. Let's watch it. And, the the yeah the chemistry he has with with Michael B and Tessa Thompson is is really cool really unique for this this old guy who's been around forever and I do think giving him the respect of being in what now he's been in eight fucking yeah. Rocky slash Creed movies now I do think it would be cool to give him kind of that like that respect that it's past due type thing that's a tough year though you know he's going against Mark Mark Ruffalo who's great in Spotlight and Tom Hardy is amazing in The Revenant. Yeah. Uh, Christian Christian Bale pretty good in the Big Short, not his best work, but 
I think any of those guys should have taken it over Rylance, and I would have no problem with Stallone. Yeah, I don't, you know, Bridge of Spies, the Academy sees Steven Spielberg's name and they just get hard. And I don't really, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You, gave, you gave him two, you can stop. Like, dude's old. He doesn't need it anymore. But Stallone is just, you know, back in 76, he didn't win screenplay, he didn't win actor. He went up on stage to accept picture with the producers, but it wasn't his victory. And this was, you know, this was his last chance. And I wonder if it's just like, I think the Academy, all they saw was, you know, Cobra and stop or my mom will shoot and fucking rhinestone cowboy. And they just said, that man doesn't deserve an Oscar. They didn't take this. (laughs) They didn't take into account his beautiful performance in Creed. And that's fucked up. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I I like that. I figured you'd have that on your list. Just, I know you're, Again, you have an admiration for for Warrior, but you have a bigger admiration for Stallone and what he did for the Rocky, for what he's done for the Rocky franchise. I also think Michael B. probably should have been nominated for Best Actor, Best Lead Actor. Uh, he was he was great. This, of course, is part of the uh, Spike Lee led uh, Oscar So White type thing. It's like, hey, you have this thing right in front of you, right in front of you, and you're gonna you know nominate these other clowns instead of him. And uh, I, I get it. I get it totally understand um at the time i think i was kind of like you know well it's it's a boxing movie now i'm like no it's a it's a badass boxing movie about like regret and family and trauma and sickness and like coping coping mechanisms and, and like all these things wrapped up into a boxing movie and it's 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 special uh that was really cool i'll never forget when we, when we watched you know random shit at that at that hotel in los angeles and that was that was one of the movies we we watched uh, good stuff. My number four is a bit different. <laughs> uh, a little bit more silly. Uh, I do love when a wacky ass performance gets uh, gets it gets in there. Jonah Hill, Wolf of Wall Street as Donnie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one of the most absurd Oscar nominations of all time, but I love it. I love it so much because he's fucking ridiculous in this movie. Um, Jonah Hill, you know, he was nominated for Moneyball. Uh, a couple years before that for also for best supporting actor love him in that movie but there's there's no one that can do what he's doing in wolf of wall street there's probably people who could do what he's doing in moneyball but in wolf of wall street it's like holy hell like jonah is just on one and he you know his like favorite movie of all time is goodfellas you know that's he's spoken a lot about that he's spoken a lot about his admiration for martin scorsese and he was like i'll do anything to work to work for him to be in one of his movies. So he accepted, like, he, he made, like, 20 grand and was in this movie. And he gets an Oscar nomination out of it. He gets now to be a part of Scorsese's, you know, incredible filmography uh, and in this movie alongside Leonardo DiCaprio. So he gets to kind of be, in, he's like a student with this with this role. And he's, he, he, he kind of becomes, like, the star of the show a few times in this movie. He's so fucking ridiculous. Um in particular, I love the scene where he actually eats a fish. Uh, Jonah Hill actually, you know, you know, because he's so mad at this guy who's who's feeding his fish when they're like, you know, it's it's bus- you know, they're trying to do their business and whatnot and, and fucking scheme and uh, scam people left and right. And this guy's feeding his fish at his desk, and he's like, yeah, so this is what I'm gonna do. And he fucking eats the fish. You know, Jonah Hill actually did that. You know, and those things matter to me a lot when you're just willing to be fucking crazy. I, I respect that. 
I love the stuff between him and John Bernthal in this movie where John Bernthal is like, you're a fucking moron. I want nothing to do with you. And please like, please get away from me. I love when he meets him in the parking lot and he's acting like he's drunk and he's like, ah, <laughs> fucking losing his mind. Uh, he's his comedic timing in Wolf of Wall Street is, is impeccable. And to go toe to toe with Leo while smoking crack <laughs> is, is something most people could never even dream of. So I, I, I hats off to Jonah. I love that movie. It's a movie I can rewatch any day of the week. It's so fucking fun. Um, I don't feel the runtime at all because I'm just having a blast. And Jonah Hill's a big part of it. Donnie, my man. <laughs> yeah, so far there have been there have been no surprises here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is uh, yeah, this is a great, insane movie. Uh, for me, nothing beats the the superludes scene where they both just collapse and are just yeah. moaning at each other, unable to form words. Yeah, yeah. And Leo sees Popeye on the TV screen. He's like, oh! <laughs> uh, he saves Donnie's life. He's because <laughs> he's fucking choking. Yeah. God, I love love that stuff. Uh, I love when they take the ludes and they start working out because they're like, we got to start sweating. So it so it gets to our bloodstream faster, you know? <laughs> I love how they meet. Just, you know, he shows up and he's like, you show me a pay stub for like, what was it, like $700,000 or something like that? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I quit my job right now. I come work for you. He's yeah. Just like, there you go. It shows him the pay stuff. He's immediately like, "Hey, I quit." That was yeah. That was a great introduction to this wild character who is clearly just willing to do anything for the right price. Yeah, and those are the best characters. People who just like have no qualms, no like love for themselves. They're just like, "You give me a dollar sign, and I am your man." Yeah, yeah, and and are like so politically incorrect, you know, or just so fucked up. Like he tells that one Swedish girl, he's like. Technically, honey, my money's taped to your tits, so you do work for me. You know, and she's like, "What?" Like, he just says the craziest shit, <laughs> and I, I love him. I fucking love him. You know, he he helps that movie go to a crazy stratosphere that uh, I can never get enough of. You know, uh, Steve Madden. <laughs> it has been so fucking long since I've sat down and watched uh, that thing in its entirety. I, I gotta, I gotta do that. Yeah, you definitely should, man. It is just so fucking crazy. And a really wild Scorsese turn where it's like, man, this guy's old and he's making this movie? Like, holy hell. You know, he still has those kind of creative juices flowing where he's like, I still want to make stuff just pop out at people and make people make people kind of squirm almost, you know, make my audience wonder, why am I, am I supposed to be watching this? You know, is this a little too fucked up? Probably. Yeah, I mean, his, he's, you know, he's still at it. His next project has the potential to be his best work since Goodfellas. I, I cannot wait. I love that oh, he, he hasn't just, you know, given up. He's still trying. Yeah, he's got, clearly has stuff left in the tank, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I can't, I can't wait for his new film. Even though it got pushed back, I'm still, I've, I have high, high hopes for it. Uh, I was so ready to do a big Goodfellas episode also talk about his new movie this fall you know i was so ready for that we'll have to wait it's okay <laughs> uh what's your number three my number three hard left turn from the whimsical wackiness of wall street <laughs> uh a film we covered on this show had a difficult time because it's a rough rough fucking movie uh michael fassbender in 2013's 12 years a slave as one of the most evil malicious sons of bitches 
on ever to put on film, and that is Edwin Epps, the slave yes. owner who basically, you know, kidnaps Solomon Northup. And what this man does over the course of this film is so heinous that I don't really want to get back into it. But yeah, I know what you mean. Michael Fassbender's performance in that movie is remarkable. He is so hateable, so pure evil. It's it's a a wonderful performance that shows what this man was really capable of. And there was a time where Michael Fassbender was like, you know, Oscar nominations left and right. He was in insanely big projects. And then I don't know what happened, but he's like fallen off the map. I don't know if the snowman took a huge chunk out of his career or Assassin's Creed or whatever it was, but I don't feel like I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, he's, I think he's made some odd decisions. Um, that definitely is a, is a big part of it. I, I think his partnership with Steve McQueen and like not continuing that has hurt him big time because he does Hunger, Shame, and 12 Years a Slave, all, all with Steve McQueen. They clearly, clearly have an understanding. Yeah, between between you know director and, and, and performer, and he's lights out in those movies, and in Twelve Years a Slave, it, it is one of the most disgusting, evil you know performances we've 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 ever seen at the Oscars. Type. It's that kind of thing. If I really you know, Jonah Hill is nominated the same year for Wolf of Wall Street. Jonah Hill has no business being in the same discussion as Fazzy for the actual Oscar. Uh, like Jared Leto, cool, neat, neat performance, but. I don't think it comes close to what Fazbender does. I really don't. He went to such a painful, dark, evil place that I'm just happy he was able to find his way out of that when the you know when the filming was over. Because I can't imagine, you know, I often I often wonder that about people who in movies play you know slave owners and Nazis and clan members and like how do they go to that place and find their way back? I mean, that's yeah. got to be horrifying. Yeah, it, it, what's what's even more horrifying is you know there's people who like like it you know mm-hmm. there's actors who are like no I'm I I will go there you, you you just never know what's deep down inside these people with 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 this guy with with Michael I I do think it's a how far can I push myself and again like I want to work with Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen wants to work with me you know I think it's that kind of a thing with him just uh, you know he's 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 so scary good in that movie. Um, yeah, we covered it not not that long ago, but we did it. We did a showdown for 2013, and we both, you know, it was a tough, it was a tough episode. I'll say that that's for sure. Um, but I do think he should have won the Oscar that year, as far as what was the best of that category. Uh, so we both have 2013 there. Okay, that's good. Um, so you've got Nick Nolte, Sylvester Stallone, Michael Fassbender. Um, I've got Hawk, Jonah Hill, and now my third is Mr. Jeremy Renner, the guy we're going to be talking about more. More today, uh, James Coughlin, the town. Uh, <laughs> come on, you know, this is without him, you don't have the town. Without Jeremy Renner being fucking ridiculous and saying crazy shit and being like, what, what am I gonna do if I'm not, if I'm not fucking robbing people and killing people and stealing shit? What am I gonna do with my life? You know, he's he's the ultimate wild card, uh, what you know, wild card bitches, like he's the ultimate of that in any movie I've ever fucking seen. And especially in a heist movie, you need a guy who's like so aggressive and wants to hurt people. And that scene when they go to those, those guys, that guy's apartment and Ben Affleck's like, you can't ask me about it. 
you know, you, you, you can never, you know, not again, not in the future, but we're going to go somewhere. We're going to hurt some people. And he's like drinking a Budweiser watching TV. And he's like, whose cab we taking? <laughs> you know, he's that guy who's like, cool. It's Tuesday. I get to go fuck some shit up. Like that sounds great. You know, you know, like that's, that's Jeremy Renner in, in the town. And he goes over there and he, he fucking shoots a guy in the leg. And he's like, he pulls the mask up. and He's like, you see this face? Just remember, I've seen yours too. <laughs> you know, he's just, he's so ridiculously good in this movie. I get why he was nominated. I think maybe he has a chance to beat Christian Bale in this category. Like, he's that good in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I fucking love Jem. He's, he's a guy you have to have in a movie like this. Otherwise, it just gets boring. My favorite bit of that whole scene is the end of it when they're driving back. It exemplifies his character so well. It's when Affleck's like, you can't just shoot people like that. And Jem's like, hey, you brought me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what's the you conversation took, here? You took me for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I, I fucking love it. I, I love everything about him. And I can't wait to talk more about that movie and like what he's offering uh, as we continue with the episode. So yeah, that's my number three for sure. Beautiful. I'm glad you had that. He's he's a rock star in this movie. <laughs> uh, the Sox are losing two to one to the Orioles. <laughs> you can't make a Boston movie and not at least one time mention the Sox. You can't do yeah, it. Yeah, and, and the Sox are like well represented in this movie. You know, Ben Affleck has the jacket. At every bar they go to, the Sox are on TV because very smart move. They film it during the summer so that it's sunny outside, not snowing everywhere. The Sox are playing. And of course, the finale at Fenway Park, yeah, is just brilliant. So yeah, they they really, really hone in on on the Boston Red Sox, uh, be, being being kind of like the the focal point of that city. Well, I love that they're randomly just wearing shirts that literally just say Boston or yeah. Irish or just like it's so it's like yeah we know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we get yeah, it. You, you fucking work at sand and gravel just like you did in Goodwill Hunting, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we get it. <laughs> ben, ben Affleck, how many hours of work does he week at Sand and Gravel, do you think? 45 minutes, maybe. Yeah, it's not full time, tell you no. that. <laughs> yeah, he shows up to wear the hat the day after a heist, just in case. <laughs> he's got a he's got a deal going on with you know the manager, the, the project manager over there at Sand and Gravel, so that he covers for him. Yeah. I love love that so much. I always thought it was so funny. There's only one scene where he's actually like at work. <laughs> and what's he doing? He's like sitting down. <laughs> he's just like having a smoke break. Yeah. He's wearing a hard hat. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and he takes it off immediately when he sees the cop cars. He's like, that's ah, me, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. All right. What's your number two? <laughs> My number two is uh, I didn't know this guy had this in him until I saw mm. 2018's A Star is Born and saw Sam Elliott deliver a oh. performance of the ages. Mm. Yeah, this almost made my list. Almost. He, Fuck. He's always just been, you know, the dude with the big bushy mustache, the cowboy guy. Like, I didn't know he could go there. And his performance alongside Bradley Cooper, there are moments that are just absolutely heartbreaking that yeah. proved to me that, like, he should have been he should have gotten so many more big movies over, you know, the course of his like 40 year career. And I, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of sad that we all just know him as like the guy with the mustache. 
because like, the scene where he is dropping off uh, oh. Bradley Cooper and Cooper just turns and says, like, by the way, I never looked up to dad. I looked up to you. And they both just collapse. Holy shit, man. How yeah, is there? There's not a dry eye in the fucking house. Yeah. Dear God. And yeah, I was pulling for him so hard. I thought just that recognition would have meant so much to what his you know career has been. But the Academy really liked Green Book. Yeah, they really did. They really, they really liked Mahershala Ali, and they really liked Green Book. And I love Mahershala Ali too. But I would have given this, given this to to Sam Elliott for sure. I thought he was just spectacular in that movie. That scene is so powerful that you're talking about when he's taking him home from rehab. Yeah, the way Sam Elliott puts the car in reverse and puts his hand on like the 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 passenger seat headrest is like. The best performance I've ever seen, in, in you know, in, in five seconds. He's he's so so good in that movie. So that's a great great shout. That's probably my number six, seven, or eight. It's right outside my list. I had a hard time cutting it. Um, very very special movie to me. Um, I, I would love to cover that movie on this show. I think I think it'd be a really really good episode. We were both very pleasantly surprised by it when it came out in theaters. We were still um, working at. Uh, draft house and actually i think i had just left in 2018 yeah like i I left in like september october and i know that i know this movie came in october so i must have been close to leaving um around that time but i still would go back you know and watch movies there and i saw that movie with my mom my dad and my now wife brianna and we, we all four were like sobbing by the end of it you know just like holy just ruined you know ruined in the best way though like you just saw art and Cool movie. I think the the emotional trauma of the ending didn't quite hit me because I overheard somebody talking about it. Like somebody at work was like, I can't believe he hung himself. And I'm like, fuck you. Uh, I knew about that because I knew about the other movies. And and at the beginning of the movie, they they like they pretty much tell you like this guy's going down a really dark path a few times. Like like they show like nooses in the background at one point. And you're just kind of like, all right, I think this is going to be this is not going to be pretty, you know? I didn't know, but I, I knew about the other movies, but I hadn't seen them. I didn't know plot details. So this was my introduction to that story. And uh, yeah, it's hard to top. I mean, I've seen the Judy Garland one now, and that was very good. But also, you know, again, bloated. Not her, like not her, the movie. <laughs> I want to make that yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I've got, you know, two more to watch, and I'm sure they'll do it again in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, I wonder who it'll be, you know? Is it going to be Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan, you know? Like, who's you know, who's going to be the fucking, fucking two people? Uh, yeah, because you got you got to be, like, in your late 30s or 40s to be in A Star is Born, you know? Yeah. Be interesting if they swapped it. Like, an aging, you know, female country singer or something meets a young, you know, male upstart who starts to upstage her. Swap the mm. gender swap it? That might be interesting. I like that. It's a good idea. Yeah. 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 You might want to change it, you know, because it has happened like four times now. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe change it up just a bit. But, uh, yeah, I do, I do really like that movie. And Sam Elliott is maybe the best part of it. So, good, good shout there. That's your number two. Yes. All right. My number two. If you know me, you should know my one and two. You should know these two guys are like two of my favorite people to ever live. Uh, so, my number two is Willem Dafoe and uh, Florida Project for playing Bobby Hicks, the, motel uh manager in, in that in that brilliant brilliant film 
oh boy, you know, I'm just a huge, huge fan. One of my favorite movies from 2017. And Defoe is, it's kind of like a, he could have retired type performance. Like after it, he could just be like, yeah, there's nothing else for me to do. Like I just gave like the most dramatic, brilliant, funny performance, you know, where I'm kind of doing everything with very little to work with. Um, just, just the way he moves in that movie, the way he talks to his, you know, patrons the way he talks to people who are staying at the motel uh the way he smokes a cigarette the way he does the laundry the way he stocks the vending machine he's just acting the whole time you know he just it, that's just him that's defoe you know and uh, i've talked about this movie before when we did a uh, top five Willem defoe performances it is just very near and dear to my heart and i i'll, I'll kind of kind of go, you know go, go to bat for that movie really whenever um it's I think it's really, really special and should be should be more more talked about. I think it has its you know little cult following, but I do think it's uh, again one of the better better movies from 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 that decade and uh, certainly from that year. I think I think that one, Get Out, and Coco are like just so so special and should be remembered forever. Florida Project is regrettably. The only one thus far I have not yet seen. I I gotta just I gotta do that. If it hadn't been for fucking Kong, I would have probably like done some more extra work for this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> fucking Kong took you away from from Defoe. It is it is the only nomination the movie got. Um, the Florida Project it was it was it was up just just Defoe. Um, this is part of Defoe's kind of like Renaissance, you know. Yeah. Um, he he has put together a really nice resume over the past 10 years or so and just doesn't he, he just won't stop you know he and, and i'm i'm all i'm all in on it he's i have to really really think about it but he's probably one of my 10 like fair doctors of all time uh just and him just the guy the person he is i feel like i could hang out with him and he wouldn't be intimidating but i'd also still be kind of starstruck you know i'd be like wow like that's fucking you know, you know, it's that's Mr. Osborne. <laughs> you know, you know, you'd have that. That's fucking Gil from Finding Nemo. That's that's this guy that I've been watching for pretty much my entire life since I saw Spider-Man and Finding Nemo as a kid. He's been there with me the whole time, and I've only grown to like him more. You know, um, like the Lighthouse. You know, he, it's my favorite performance of his of all time, and i that just came out not that long ago you know and so he he's just he's just the fucking man i'm so so happy he's a person and that he like is a part of this world that we're obsessed with you know uh defoe defoe's just a one of a kind oh without a doubt he's he's one of those you know definitive character actors who's been in the business for 40 plus years and is still just committed every single time to giving his best work i'm in awe of the man. I mean, you know, I just think of Spider-Man No Way Home. Like he could have just, you know, taken $8 million and said, like, I'll show up for two seconds. You'll see my face. I'll go home. But no, he's like, I want to do my own stunts. I want to be the main villain. Like I want to come back. And he is like, he's even better in that than he is in the, in the 2002 Spider-Man. Like it's, it's amazing. He is so good. Yeah, so so committed, and, and and it's like he doesn't care who's around him. He's just like the actor's actor who's like, I'll fucking go for it, you know. I'll give it, I'll give it my best howl, you know. And and I I love that about him, man. So yeah, he he was always going to be on this list, 
anytime I think of supporting actor nominations, I'm like, man, I really wish he would have won. That would have been really neat. I mean, you know, it, it could still happen. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I wish he would have won for this because I think he's better than Sam Rockwell. But I also hope one day he gets his. I really, really do. Um, I think it would be a cool way to kind of, to see him on the stage with a statue would be a really neat thing for like me to experience as a fan. And I think I'm speaking for a lot of people. Yeah, there's certain actors when they have that moment, you're like, I get to see that. I get to see yeah. him hold yeah. career recognition in this in the form of a gold man. Yeah. Yeah. Godspeed. <laughs> <laughs> ah. uh, all right. Number ones. What do we have the same motherfucker as our number one? Considering I haven't heard this guy yet on yours, if he's not there, I'm gonna be incredibly surprised. Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Ah, you read my mind. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I, I I want to. I love Richard E. Grant. But um, yeah, but but come on, you know. <laughs> obviously, this goes to Lancaster Dodd, Philip Seymour Hoffman from The Master, except no substitutes. <laughs> yeah, but above all, I am a man. <laughs> you know, uh, he should have been up for Best Actor. You know, it's like this is unfair. Um, you know, we've talked about we've talked about supporting roles here pretty much the entire time. This is not really a supporting role. This is like I own this movie. <laughs> you know, I am I am I am that I am type type thing. And I it's it's my favorite thing he's ever done. And he's my favorite person to ever do this. And so there's just no question. I made the top five so I could talk about it. You know, you know, you know, I was like, oh, oh, I get the chance to talk about how Hoffman should have fucking destroyed the competition yeah let's do it uh, i love christoph waltz and django but psh should have been up for best lead actor and him or joaquin phoenix should have won over ddl interesting yeah for lincoln yeah it's not his best not his best stuff uh like, like ddl's three wins should be there will be blood gangs in new york and, and and my left foot not not lincoln you know it should have been gangs yeah i'm with you on that um this is, you know, just knowing the history of this movie, knowing what Paul Thomas Anderson's really talking about and knowing just what these guys, these actors are capable of. This this is a masterclass in subtlety, in pain, and just suppressed rage from fucking everyone. It is such a powerful movie, like hidden beneath a, just like a, a sheet of uh, like smarm. It's so, like, everyone knows Everyone's full of shit, but it's the game they're playing. It's mm. I see I see it mm. differently every time I watch it. I see it as like a, a long con. I see it as actual faith. I see it as just insanity, just a fever dream. It's it's different every time. It's really a remarkable film. Yeah, you, you you're not getting any arguments here, man. I I think it's one of the signature movies of the 2010s. I think we're gonna look back at this movie forever and. And, 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 you know, quite frankly, be like that there was a master at work here um, in Paul Thomas Anderson and PSH and Amy Adams uh, and Joaquin. These these people were just fucking on it, you know, and and the, the score and the cinematography in this movie, like everything is just like, holy hell. And no one cared. No, no one on that crew was like, we're about to make two hundred million dollars, baby. They're like, no, we're making like we're making art here. You know, we're like really trying to do something that no one else has ever done, you know, and while still 
doing that really cool PTA thing where he's like, I recognize everything that's come before me and I'm no greater than it, but it is no greater than me. And so we're like, we're playing together, you know, and even the name Lancaster Dodd is like, oh man, like it's just so fucking cool. And PSH is embodying his best Burt Lancaster and, you know, being like, hey, I, I see you, you know, you may not be with us anymore, but I see you. <laughs> ah, yeah, this I'm glad I'm so glad we did this. This was one of my favorite episodes we've done of Oscar Sunday. The master just there was pa- there was a passion there that shone through. It was fucking fantastic. Uh, and yeah, just having Philip Seymour Hoffman's career to look at, to peruse, to enjoy is a, the, a, a great gift. Uh, yeah, well said. Um, there's a reason we have our, you know, our big performance award named after this guy. We both are huge, huge fans and, God, it's already been eight years, you know? It's been eight fucking years since he passed away. And what he left, what he left here is just far greater than what most people leave, you know, before before they they you know they leave this part of life, um, as far as we know. And uh this is my favorite. This is my favorite. So to be able to talk about it, to do a top five and have it at number one, and you also had a number one, it's like, oh, that's fucking cool. But our other four are completely different. Yeah, I was not expecting to, There was no overlap. <laughs> yeah, the only overlap is number one. So um, your number five is Nick Nolte, Warrior, 2011. Uh, Sylvester Stallone in Creed, 2015. Uh, Michael Fassbender, uh, 2013, 12 Years a Slave. Sam Elliott in Star is Born, 2018. And Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master, 2012. I had Ethan Hawke uh, in Boyhood, 2014. Jonah Hill in Wolf of Wall Street, 2013. Jeremy Renner, uh, 2010, The Town, of course. Uh, William Defoe, The Florida Project, 2017. And then, of course, Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Lancaster fucking Dodd. <laughs> Just so cool. Um, so before before we move on to, to our town, our, our proper town conversation, what's your favorite winner from this decade? Is it J.K. Simmons? It's got to be. It. His performance in Whiplash scares the fuck out of me every time I watch it. Every <laughs> yeah. time I'm like, when is he going to throw it? What's he going to scream? What line did I forget? Like, it's it's frightening. I, I've got members of my family who will not watch it because of their own personal traumatic experiences with bullies in the past. Like, it gets into their heads. Mm. It's, it's insane. Like, it really is a psychological thriller above all else. And J.K. Simmons delivers the best work he has ever done. Yeah, you, you know me, and one of my favorite things to do, because this this goes right into our heist conversation with the town. I love taking a best pick, best supporting actor category, take those five guys and put them in a heist movie. I love doing that in my head. So J.K. Simmons, Robert Duvall, Ethan Hawke, <laughs> Edward Norton, and Mark Ruffalo. All right. So if there's five, if there's five spots here. I'd say Robert Duvall because he's the oldest is, is like the guy who's like kind of controlling everything. He doesn't actually do any of the the the, the dirty work, but he's kind of like making the the marks. You know, he's he's calling the shots. Who's the driver of the other four guys? Ruffalo. He's okay. he's got a clear head under pressure. I trust. I feel like I could trust him with something big. So okay, he's he's my guy. He's the guy I rely on to get it done. Okay, so you got you got Ruffalo the driver. 
Now we need like a team leader, a guy who's like, all right, this is this is when we go here. This is point A to point B. Ethan Hawke, Edward Norton, or J.K. Simmons? Um, I feel like it would be Ethan Hawke, but Edward Norton would think it was him. Okay, well, there you go. So Ethan Hawke has been Affleck, and Edward Norton is Jeremy Renner, and he's like fucking hothead who's like, ah! Yes, 100%. Yeah, he's, 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 he's like, I gotta just fuck somebody up. I have to. You know, Edward Norton would be perfect for that. So J.K. Simmons is like the other guy. He's the, you know, he's the guy who's been doing this for 30 years. He's got a cool head. He knows what he's doing. And he's constantly like looking at these younger guys. Like how the fuck did I end up with you? Yeah. Yeah. So like for JK Simmons, he's like, look, I got a family. I got a family to feed. I'm collecting a paycheck here. The rest of you fuckers are like going out and partying after you get the money. I'm, I'm doing this as a job and I'm going home and I'm not talking about it. All I'm thinking of is Garth Pancake from the Lady Killers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, I'd, I'd watch the fuck out of that movie. 2014, Best Supporting Actor category, heist movie. I would watch that shit easily. I mean, Ethan Hawke and Edward Norton, like, as, like, kind of, like, going head-to-head would be would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, this is a cool exercise. I like that. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I'll, for fun, like, if I'm bored, I'll just scroll. And I'll even go to now, 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 because I know more, I'll go to, like, the older years, and I'll, like, just scroll and land on a like random one and i'm like all right here we go if because you know every heist movie you got to have a driver you got to have like a team leader there's always like an older guy who calls the shots the supporting actor category it like always lends itself to that you know there's always like an older guy there's always like someone who's like oh he would take over he's the alpha you know and there's always a guy who could be a driver well there's a reason for that because the best actor category best actress categories are always like you know big names big stars the supporting categories are ensemble pieces. That's always what they are. So they already lend themselves to that kind of mold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I could do this all day. Honestly, we could do a whole episode just scrolling through. Because now I'm looking at 2016 and I'm like, stop, Austin. You got to stop. We got we to gotta <laughs> talk about the town. Because <laughs> it's, That's cool. it's, it's such, a, such a neat exercise. But the town is what we're talking about, but even better because they use specific specific actors they use a driver who like only appears in boston movies is born and bred from boston he like doesn't do anything else he's like i'm only i only show up when you film in boston that's what i'm doing <laughs> uh then you got ben affleck who's the star he's like un- unquestionably the, the guy you see on the poster you're like oh my god ben affleck and jeremy Renner is like you know he's behind him but he's still a noteworthy guy and then you got the other guy the other like young guy who's like just there but he's like you know, he's just as important as the next guy in a heist job, but in the movie, he's like, we, we need someone that no one knows who he is. If that was Christian Bale, it'd be distracting. It'd be really distracting. So you need kind of like a hierarchy. And this movie does it so well. And then you have Chris Cooper as, as, as Ben Affleck's dad. That's a like deep cut character actor that only certain people will like really recognize right off the bat. Pete Polstowait, who's like a legendary legendary like you know film actor and stage actor who unfortunately passed away like right after this movie came out this is one of the very last things that he did uh and then you have the up-and-coming blake lively and you know rebecca hall like they just they did it so well the way they kind of cast this movie and gave it clear a clear hierarchy of like who's who's the most important who can kind of be like a low-key kind of person yeah like john ham is just old enough to Perfect. Be yeah. A grizzled Fed 
who has a white whale, but not, you know, too young where you don't believe it. It's he's the yep. perfect age to be like obsessed with this. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. That's definitely taking notes from heat on that one. And they're like, all right, this is like the perfect guy. And one of my favorite things about about this movie, too, is they really let it fly with Ben Affleck and, and Renner doing the doing the Boston accent and being like fucking just turn it up to 11. John Hamm can't John Hamm can't do it. So they're like, don't do it. Just don't do it. It's fine. Not everybody in Massachusetts talks like this, you know, like, well, it's okay. You just get the vibe that like he was obviously transferred here. He looks down yep. on these people. He thinks they're fucking dopes. He even mocks the accent at one point when they arrest uh, Affleck. Like, I totally bought that. I was like, yeah, he doesn't want to be here. He's probably from New York or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He, he could be a fucking Midwestern boy who's like, I'm, I'm from the country. I'm better than all these fucking townies, you know, like that's just, that's just how I feel. And, I get. I the love that. that he like pissed off somebody, and now he's working, you know, Charlestown, where it's just heist, uh, you know, heist every fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> God, so good, so good. Well, let's let's dive in. Let's dive into this fucking movie. Uh, we'll we'll do our four awards, uh, the Tarantino Award for the best quote of the movie. Good good luck. There's just so much awesome shit being said in this movie everything's just badass you're just like oh yeah no one talks like this but it's awesome you know it's just movie shit uh the Ennio Morricone award for the best music moment pretty subtle uh score by Harry Gregson Williams and David Buckley pretty some pretty good moments in it but also there's a few you know like um needle drops that are nice as well so this is that's an interesting one uh the Philip Seymour Hoffman award god bless uh for the best performance of the movie uh, and then the Roger Deakins Award for the best scene of the movie, which there there are so many. There are so many rewatchable, awesome scenes. Uh, I'll let you kick it off with your Tarantino. This was really fucking hard. And I, oh, sorry, hard. And uh, I'm going to be doing that the whole time. Just be aware. Yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> not, we're, we're, you know, we live in Texas. It's fun to like, you know, be somebody else for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, when we were talking about the heist thing, I could just see it bleeding through. I could feel it like coming out. Like just because we were talking about a heist, it was like, oh, now you got to talk. Yeah. 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 You got to say J.K. Simmons. Yeah. It can't be just like J.K. You know, the the guy, you know, the guy who's in Spider-Man. It's like, no, it's got to be got to be different than that. You know, Yeah, goth pancake. Um, So I went with this line. I it's 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 a corny line, it's a goofy line, but it's the first line I think of when I hear when I think of this movie, and I've adopted it into my own vernacular. And it's when uh, Doug is telling Jem like, "I'm fucking out of here. I'm not doing this anymore." And Jem's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Let me put it this way. I'm putting this whole fucking town in my rear view." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, so I, good. Nobody would ever fucking say that, but I love the way he fucking says that. Yeah. Ben Affleck in a movie would say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, I buy it. And it's just, yeah, it's it's a goofy line I've always loved. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that one. I love when he's like, you know, uh, talking to talking to Jeremy Renner, talking to, to James, and he's like, we're not going to be playing fucking house, me, your sister, and shine. <laughs> you know? Oh, so good. He's like, I'm getting out of here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> So, I love when he talks about leaving. Like he's like, oh man, gotta make a change. So good. I oh, just I love this movie to death. Um, there's there's a lot of those lines. There's a lot of like brilliant 
sentences that are just like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, whoever wrote that down is 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 the man, you know? Uh, but but my favorite like, bit of dialogue comes from the very beginning when when Doug is narrating, when Ben Affleck is narrating at the beginning of the movie for the first, for the first heist. And that's, if you're going to make a heist movie, start it off with a fucking crazy heist, you know? Yeah. Do, do, do the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight thing. Do it. Like, do that. And I think Ben Affleck was like, he saw the Dark Knight and he's like, all right, if I do that for a whole fucking movie, I think I got something here. <laughs> you know, like, I think, I think I got something here. If I do that three times within a two hour span, I think we can make, make a movie here, you know? Um, and, and I'm grateful for that. That's my favorite thing Christopher Nolan's ever done for, for, for cinema. <laughs> I'm just picturing him like pitching this. I think it was legendary who produced the movie. And he's pitching this to executives. He just has like a DVD of the Dark Knight, and he just plays the opening. And he's like, he'll, "Yeah, have you all seen this? Yeah." He's like, so that three times. <laughs> <laughs> you give me Jeremy Renner. You give me John Hamm. I can make this happen. Yeah, let me talk about Oxy's Coke and Xbox, and, and we got a movie. <laughs> Uh, anyway, in all seriousness, the, the opening, opening bit, when we just have these, 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 like, you know, obligatory fucking helicopter shots of Boston, like, this is, (laughs) this is the town, you know, that, like, that you're about to watch for the next two hours, like, here you go, this is what it looks like, here's, here's some, some little fun facts about Charlestown and how it breeds fucking bank robbers, you know, you're like, it's it's one of those I get it if you're like um if you're not like an adrenaline junkie and you're not a fan of like bro movies, I would get why you'd be like, this is corny as hell, this is dumb. But when I'm watching, I'm like, oh fuck yeah, you know, like I I, I get amped up, you know? And I, I have multiple sides to me as a movie fan. I can do the fucking the Terrence Malick thing where I'm like, oh, look at that, you know, shot of that leaf. But I'm also like, I love the town, I love badass shit, you know? I'm it's okay to be a chameleon, you know, it's okay to kind of like change and, and like different things. And this opening bit from Doug McRae, driver's name is Arthur Shea, former Metro police officer, 57 years old. As soon as his partner leaves with the coal bag, Artie cracks a herald and he don't look up till the guy gets back. Marty McGuire, Cummins Armored, Courier, 5'10", 220, 52 years old. <laughs> Picks up every Wednesday and Friday at exactly 8'12". Makes $110 a day, carries a Sig 9, and he's about to get robbed. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's so cool. It's so badass. And, and then, you know, we, we're still watching Boston, you know, from like a helicopter. And then it cuts to them in that van. And it cuts, cuts to Ben Affleck's face. And he's like, we're fucked if we see a helicopter. We're fucked if we see SWAT. We see a cruiser stop, take out the engine blocks, keep moving. No one needs to get hurt. And then, and then James Coughlin... <laughs> Jeremy Renner comes in hot and you're like, oh, this guy's about to take over this movie. And he says, yeah, these guys like to test you, though. <laughs> they want to get ahead for $10 an hour. Don't get in their way. <laughs> he completely goes against what, <laughs> what Doug just said. You know, like they're already clashing and you're like, this is this is brilliant. This is a great setup for a heist movie. And I couldn't ask for more. I love that opening. The opening like six minutes from that that dialogue to when um to to claire is walking out into the water 
And then they play the title card, the town. And you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is perfect. Yeah. That was, it's a hell of a hook. It you're drawn in immediately. Like you're either in or out. It really is a, like, this is what this movie is. You've got time to turn it off. Are you in or are you out? Yeah. Do you want to watch guys scream at each other and like shoot guns and rob stuff? Or, or do you want to like walk your dog? I don't know. Like I want to watch the town. Yeah. I love the opening of, uh, like quotes beforehand. Like the one yeah. guy just says Charlestown man is like, I'm proud of being from Charlestown. It ruined my life, but I'm proud of it. It's <laughs> like, damn, man. <laughs> I thought that was so funny because it just it just embodies like, yeah, this place is fucked, but I love it. <laughs> just like, what? It's that self acceptance of of like this is where this is where I'm at, and like I, I don't know where to go. I'm just trapped. There's certain places in the world where it's not, this is where I at, well, this is where I'm at. It's, this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you get that vibe the whole time. Like the idea of leaving isn't even entertained by Jim. He's like, you don't leave Charlestown. Like, yeah. You yeah. go to prison. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, and this is, that's Boston. You know, that's like, there are like big cities in the United States where they are so, so prideful like you know we i I live you know i live in san antonio we're we're not really like that like san antonio we're we're definitely like people are proud to be texan and be you know san antonio and have like certain cultures but people from boston like this is my town (laughs) like this is where this is where i grew up and you can't fucking take it away from me you know even though they know it's like eating at them and like chop chopping uh, years away from their life we get a line towards the end where uh, Affleck's on the train and he says, for the first time in my life, I'm leaving Charlestown. Yeah. Like, Jesus. He's, he's never left his neighborhood. Yeah. That's it's fucking I can't nuts. even comprehend that. That Oh, wow, man. Yeah. Yeah. God, what a great movie. Uh, <laughs> the Ennio Morricone Award for Best Music Moment. What, what do you got? Uh, so I don't know the, the names of the different pieces of score here, but... um. This is shortly after the uh, the second heist where John Hamm announces, close the bridge. Mm. And the driver picks up speed and is just bobbing and weaving through traffic. And the music gets tense and exciting and unpredictable. And you're like, is he going to fucking crash? Is this it? Are they getting arrested here? Like, is no one going to notice the, you know, speeding nuns flying through the opposite side of the road? Yeah, yeah. And it ends with Jeff, you know, that's how you drive a fucking car. It's it's a fucking great yeah. line. It's a fucking like they they made it. It's yeah. it's cool how this movie kind of makes you betray your allegiances. It's like you shouldn't be rooting for the bank robbers, but you can't help it. Oh yeah. You definitely want them to get away. You're like, please escape. Get over that bridge before they close it. Yeah. And and and, and I'll be talking about that scene more later. There's so much like interesting shit with that scene, like so much cool stuff. It's, it's yeah, it's my favorite stretch of the movie. Um uh, I chose the the track. Uh, it's called Finway, and again, this is composed by Harry Gregson Williams and David Buckley, and it's one of those. Uh, you know, you know. Of course, it's it's as they're it's as they're going to Fenway. You know, and they're uh, Jeremy Renner and Ben Affleck are both dressed up as cops, and they're they're uh, like walking into Fenway, and, and that guy opens the fucking garage door, and he's like, "Officer," you know, <laughs> he's. You didn't fucking see me. Just remember that, you know, and, and that, that the track is kind of like a, a Hans Zimmer type, like ticking. Yeah. You know how like Hans Zimmer does that in a lot of his big, big pieces where it's like, 
and Fenway, that track has that going for it. Um, a lot of the score is very subtle and very sad as we're watching certain things happen in Doug's life. But there are like a few moments that pop and that Fenway one pop for me where it just, you're, you, cause you know, you're, you're like, there's 30 minutes left in the movie. Shit's going to go south. You know, so, like something bad's about to happen. They're about to fucking rob Fenway park. Like one of the biggest, most popular uh, baseball stadiums in, in existence, you know? And, uh, you know, I've, I've been there. I've been, I've been to Fenway. Uh, I, I've been, to, I went to Boston about a year after this, this movie came out. And all I was thinking about was the town when I was in Boston. You know, I went to, a, I went to a couple Celtics games. Um, unfortunately it was in, um, February or March. So baseball season hadn't really started yet. So I didn't get to go to a game at Fenway, but my dad was like, you guys want to go there though. Right. And I was like, yeah, like I would love to go to Fenway. I mean, it's, it's like the Mecca of Boston. And so he was like, well, I bought, I bought his tickets to tour the place and like go underground and stuff. And so we got to see a lot of the places that they're walking around, you know, in this movie. And I was only thinking about the town. I wasn't like, I'm in this great baseball place. I'm like, ah, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder where, you know, the EMT truck was parked when they, <laughs> you know, when they had the shootout, you know, that's what, that's what was going through my brain. Um, <laughs> It's a beautiful, beautiful place. You know, baseball is such like a gorgeous sport and Fenway is like a museum. It's like so beautiful and has so much history in the middle of a neighborhood, just right there, right amongst the people. And uh, God, this, the use usage of it in the movie is, is brilliant. So, uh, yeah, I love that. Love that piece of score as, as we're seeing Fenway and seeing our two guys walk in there about to about to rob them. Yeah. Jem calls it the Cathedral of Boston. Like, yeah, that is where. You know, the people of the town worship is Fenway. And that's just, yeah. that's that's neat. And the music is very much like a, you know, it's a ticking time bomb on these yeah. guys. And I love that because the whole time you said the score is very kind of sorrowful. That's because it's basically, you know, this is not a it, it, this is not a life that you can lead long term. Like this is not you know, this is your last option. And that's the vibe we get throughout the movies. Like, you know, Doug was supposed to be a hockey player. He fucked up and now he's robbing banks. This is all he knows how to do. And yeah, there was no happy ending here. I mean, Ben kind of got one, but he lost everybody else. So did he really get a happy ending? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. So that's kind of the, the tone of it is like, it's a lot of regret in this movie and a lot of, a lot of, Tom, you know, Tom Fullery going on. Not a lot, not a lot of, not a lot of, uh, you know, futures being made. So um, we do get a little redemption towards the end of the movie, but uh, not, not a lot from everybody. Uh, the Philip Summer Hoffman Award. Who, who wins the movie? This may come as a shock to you. Um, so I, I had, I, I toyed with a lot of people. I had Jeremy Renner written down. I had Ben Affleck written down. And then a scene came that I will discuss later. And I realized that the secret winner of this movie is Pete Postlewaite. Uh, no qualms here. He is uh, heat check in its own right. I love a good Irish crime boss. Oh, do I love a good Irish crime boss. And knowing that he had terminal cancer when he did this, like he knew he was dying. He knew this was going to be it for him. But he still said, God damn it, I'm going to perform. And I'm going to be memorable and I'm going to do some of my best work. And he went out like a goddamn champion 
And I love the character of Fergie. He is so unapologetically slimy. Just the shit he tells people like, you know, you just, you know, you want to hear I clipped your dad's nuts? Like, just what the fuck, man? It's it's crazy. And he's he's the bad guy, really, of the movie. He's the, you know, the overarching menace that's just in Doug's head the whole movie. Yeah. When you find out about his mom doped up good and proper you know you're like oh my god this guy is fucked up just the casual way he's talking about this like he's you know sorting through the mail or some shit and doug is just collapsing into this absolute hatred and tells him like you know when this is over i'm gonna kill i'm gonna kill both of you in in your own shop (laughs) i love i love when ben affleck is like i live at 5411 bunker hill street you can you know where to find me and and then he, you know, Fergie's like, okay, I got you, bitch. You know, like I, I, you just told me where you live, motherfucker. And I know about your little girlfriend, you know, it's such an evil string of dialogue. Oh, man. Yeah. God, I, yeah, I have, I have no problem with this, man. I, and you know, it all, he almost got my Tarantino when he says, when he's talking about the, the Fenway, Fenway heist, when Fergie is talking about it, he's like, Cash is brought out, stacked 15 minutes before the van does the pickup. And that is when you hit. On Monday morning, before the game stands in New York, 60,000 beers, food, merchandise. Total call, $3.5 million. Taking down the Cathedral of Boston? Priceless. So fucking cool. (laughs) And his accent is just so thick. And like you can just feel it in your skin when he's talking. Uh, Yeah, I have no problem with Pete taking this. He has always been one of my favorite character actors. Every time he popped into a movie, he was the most memorable part of it. From, you know, fucking In the Name of the Father to James and the Giant Peach. Like, he just, he knew what he was doing. He was iconic. And then, you know, just knowing he was on his way out and still being like, I need to work. I need to finish strong. And he turns out the town and Inception and then leaves us. Like, God damn, man. Like, hell of a swan song. Yeah. that's what I admire like over anything is that like he could have tuned he, he could have turned it in. He could have just, you know, sat down and said some shit in a booth. But no, he's like, I'm going to be the bad guy this thing. Yeah. And I'm going to bring the bring the pain. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, he passed away. He was only like 64 years old. You know, he still probably had had some good life to live. Um, if he wasn't in this movie, I mean, it just isn't what it is. You know, I like these pieces totally matter. And every scene with him just the way he's cutting the roses you're like oh my god you know it's he he's just 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 again he's he's just acting the shit out of everything you know he's just like running circles around these guys when they're in the same room together so it's a good pick man it's a great pick everybody's so morally gray that you need one pure evil bastard to root against that's just you need that yeah fuck yeah i agree i agree he gives you a clear villain and like, all right, we don't like that guy. He's fuck. He's fucking with Ben Affleck. We don't like him. <laughs> uh, I chose. I, I chose Jeremy Renner. You know, um, <laughs> I, I I definitely thought about thought about Affleck because it's just like, holy shit, we didn't know he like still had something like this in him. He's directing. It's a great great movie that he kind of does everything in. So like, there's that. But if I'm going just off of performance and just what's on the screen. Renner, like the movie just could be so boring without him. Um, 
you need to, you know, and people would be like, well, why isn't that guy just calm down? It's like, well, cause it's a fucking movie, you know, like you, 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 you need, you need him. You need this guy, this wild card firecracker guy who's going to die shooting at the police, you know? Um, and one of the coolest death scenes of all time when he's like, fuck you. You know, he just screams out, fuck you to John Hamm and everybody. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going out shooting. I'm going out literally guns a blazing. And he, Jeremy Renner, I, when I first saw this movie, I didn't really know much about him. Didn't really know, you know, I was 15. I saw this movie in theaters. I was kind of shocked. My dad took me to it. Cause my dad's a big, big Affleck fan. And, uh, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's a heist movie. It looks fun. But I, I remember watching Renner and just being like, is this guy like this, is this like a real guy who like robs for, for, you know, for real life? You know, I was 15. I didn't know any better. Right. Yeah. I, I thought maybe this was like a guy they like recruited and I was like, wait, no, that's like a proper actor. And I still feel that way. You know, I still have that little boy, like, like Renner really disappeared and was having so much fun with this performance, you know? Uh, What'd you do to get my brother so cranked up? <laughs> uh, and, and of course, this the the scene when they're fighting, like outside the cemetery, just legendary, just legendary little you know brother brother scene where they're they're duking it out. He pistol whips him, and he's like, "Well, I'm leaving, whether you fucking like it or not." And he's like, "Yeah, it's your problem. You think you're better than everybody, you know? Like, there's it's just really really good stuff." And uh, I, I'm a firm believer that this movie would be boring without him. And for that reason, I, I had to give him the PSH. But I could I see an argument for a few people. I really do. I think Rebecca Hall is standing strong in this movie, and she could. She, she, this this is not got to be easy, you know. Acting with these guys who are talking with these insane accents, you know, and they're fucking these big big burly dudes, and she's playing a you know playing a toonie, right? I think she does a fantastic job in this movie. I think John Hamm does a great job. I think Blake Lively is amazing. Chris Cooper, everybody just lights out. And so I don't think there's like a wrong answer. Now there isn't. Those are the best when we got an ensemble this good to just yeah. kind of pick and choose. And yeah, Renner's character is just so sad because he's, you know, yeah. he gave yeah. up nine years of his life to save his best friend. And to him, that means, you know, he owes him forever. But Affleck sees that debt as paid. And that's just, I can't imagine having to deal with that. Like my, you know, my best friend is insane and is going to get me killed, but I love him. Like, what do I do about that? It's, it's such a great story. Yeah, it really is. It works because it's, it's really, it's simple. The town's not like, Oh, look at this crazy, crazy, insane, complex, you know, story. It's like, it's like relatable but also really badass and has these, these storylines that you're like, yeah, like I, I get it. I totally understand what's going through these characters hearts. So. Well, I love, I love the realistic approach to things like, you know, pouring bleach on the, on the heist scene to just wipe out any trace of them. That's fucking brilliant. Well, okay. So when you're watching a movie like this, are you like, huh? I think I could do that. <laughs> doesn't everybody. I mean, we all act like, you know, Oh, I would never do that. But when you see it, or, you know, orchestrated so well and you think like if I really put time and effort into it and made it as precise as possible I maybe <laughs> yeah yeah you're kind of like well if I have Jeremy Renner next to me and I have Ben Affleck on the other side of me 
I think I could be the third guy. I think I'd be, you know, I could be, I couldn't be the driver. I, there's no way I could do what that guy's doing, but I think I could be kind of like a crowd control guy. Yeah. I think I could do it and pour, pour some bleach on, you know, some computers and shit. I think I'm capable. I hope I'm not. God damn. <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know. There was, um, there was an X-Files episode that dealt with that exact idea. Like Mulder had to infiltrate a group of terrorists and he had to help them rob a bank. And he uh, had a moment of like, you know, how far am I willing to go to prove myself to these people? And if I can't get into this, like they're going to kill millions of people. And it was thankfully like, you know, they Scully got there in time and it was like, you don't have to kill these people, Mulder. You're a good guy. But the, mo- the, the moment of like, what am I capable of? What am I going to do? And he was really thinking about it. And I love when heroic characters are faced with horrible shit they didn't know they were capable of. And then you start to wonder, like, could, could I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Is, is anyone a hero? Yeah. Oh. It, 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 it comes back to kind of that, 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 that crucial scene in the town when you're watching Doug and Steve McRae, father and son. And, he, you know, Doug's like, I'm thinking about making a change. And he's like, making a change? The dad's like, are you sure? Either you got heat or you don't. <laughs> like, oh, fuck yeah! You know, like, like, come on, man. <laughs> this is this is who you are. You're not a hero. <laughs> oh, so good. Jeez, I yeah. Goddamn. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant movie. What's your what's your Deacons? Um, it is. You'd think I'd go with one of the heists, but there was not to me. It's the scene where Fergie does tell Doug what happened to his mom. Woof, woof! Because I had forgotten about that the first time I saw this, and mm. this time it was like, oh shit! And just how casual he's like, yeah, she got all doped up, hung herself in that warehouse on the corner, and your daddy didn't have the heart to tell you, so you never stopped looking. And Doug is just seeing red. He's like, I want to stab him in the face with those fucking roses. And yeah, yeah just having that over him and saying like, you know. The, the whole concept of like that's how, you know I clips your dad's nuts chemically by getting his wife doped up on my on shit is like wow and then later you know we get that payoff like you know tell him who clipped your nuts and Doug shoots him with the balls yeah brilliant I I love that when he's like hey come here I gotta tell you something something went wrong boom shoots him in the head and goes in there and Pete's like yeah prick <laughs> oh yeah it's that's a brilliant that's a good like fuck yeah scene where you know we see we see a little bit of redemption and then of course you know he gives the money to to claire and like buries in the garden that's a sweet little scene and then you know you see him off in florida and he's got a beard so you know like some time has passed you know you're like oh okay you know it's been a few months and he also gives uh john ham the nice little post-it note that says go fuck yourself (laughs) it's for you (laughs) yeah yeah but also like i i do love john ham's whole like you know macho like you know we're a national organization right it's like yeah come on buddy <laughs> yeah you lost have some dignity i i love the scene when they're trying to shake him down shake down doug and doug's like you guys are so lame like you you guys are weak and he's like good luck with those prints <laughs> <laughs> oh i love uh. Yeah, because he's like, can I leave now? Like, you don't have me for anything. Like, I'm not stupid. I've been here before. <laughs> and I love his total trust in his guys. Like, he's not worried that any of them are going to flip their family. Like, he's got no worries at all. 
Yeah, I mean, at one point early in the movie, they're all at a bar and they're talking about how badass it is to not rat people out so you'll go to prison for like 30 years. They're like, fuck yeah, that guy's a man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love Affleck's uh, anger towards uh, Titus Welliver, who you know, grew up with them but became a cop. And he's like, what do you call somebody who betrayed their neighborhood and told everybody all their secrets? You call them a rat, wouldn't you? Yeah, so good. <laughs> so good, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Reminds me, some of those scenes remind me of The Departed for sure. You're just like, oh man, like the the, the like idea you have of, you know, the authority, police and FBI and all, you know, all these, those kinds of occupations. And you're like, oh yeah, people, people get hired to do that. And most people suck. <laughs> and, and therefore, like these guys who are in the FBI are also shitty people, you know? And it's just like, I love when movies expose how everyone's just got, Every, everyone is rough around the edges. You know, everyone's got their demons, you know. A badge and a gun are only as, you know, worth as much as the as the person carrying them. Yeah, exactly. On both, on both sides. Correct. That's exactly right. Uh, my, my Deacons is a heist. It's the second heist. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. What what a ridiculous, you know, 10 minutes of, of filmmaking. Um, the second robbery in the North End all the way to the Charleston Bridge. Where, you know, uh, we, we get just a great cat and mouse type thing going on. Um, but my favorite, you know, my favorite little parts of this are, are kind of like the space between the notes. You know, of course, you know, the, the nun outfits are just so scary. Uh, I love the slow-mo shot of the kid looking at him like, holy shit. And he's holding, he's fucking like holding an AK-47, you know, about to go terrorize this bank. And uh, they go around and the, the truck's not there yet. They're like, fuck, like this guy's late. So they take another loop around. They show up, the truck's there. And, you know, the, the, you know it, chaos ensues. And Jeremy Renner shoots shoots that guy. You know, he fucking blasts at him. Uh, and, you know, now it's, now it's you, you got to get the hell out of there. So they're like in a minivan driving around. They switch to one car. Then they finally switch to another car at the end. It's just all these moving pieces. And you're like, I wonder how they made that, you know? That's my, my mind goes to when I watch a heist movie or like a, you know, like, like point break, you're like, how, how, how did, how do y'all do that? That's where like my mind is most curious and kind of infatuated with the idea of filmmaking is like, I don't think I know anyone who has any idea how that works, how all these moving pieces align perfectly. And you get a 10 minute bit inside of a two hour movie that is just brilliant. And, and, you know, great dialogue in between, you know, that's how you fucking drive a car, you know, that stuff is great. But for me, it's more of the, the editing, the film editing here is just bonkers and the direction from Ben Affleck and the costume design and all, all the things that kind of, you know, make that bit what it is just blow me away. And uh, I've always loved it. I've always, I've always loved all three like big heists of, you know, it's basically at the beginning, middle and end. And that one's been my favorite, you know, as, as I've continued to watch this movie is, is the North end, uh, the North end heist. Cause it go, it goes awry, but they get away. They barely escape. Um, my favorite shot from that bit is when all of them get out of the van and that cop sees them. That one cop who's just like on construction detail. He's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> and he's, he's by himself. He's like, I have no business. I'm about to get destroyed right here. They're going to light my ass up. So he just looks at him and then just looks the other way. 
<laughs> just looks the other way and they all continue doing their thing, you know? And that was like such a cool, cool bit to have in the movie again, to kind of show that these people are all human, no matter what occupation you have, whether you're the robber, you know, the, the, the good guy or the bad guy, cops and robbers, like you, you're, you're a person. And you're going to make decisions off your own instinct. And I just love, I love that, 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 that scene says so much with action and I, I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. I mean, it's on the poster. It's, it's yeah. the, the centerpiece of the movie. And I do love at the end when of that scene, when the cop, I mean, it's on the nose, he literally looks the other way, <laughs> but yeah, I get it. I do love that moment where they're all just staring at each other. Like what's it going to be? Yeah, uh, but yeah, that whole bit is great. I love the idea. Like from the get go, it's not there. Like just the fact that the truck's not there. Like everything is fucked from there on. Like the timetable's wrong. The GI Joe guy, t- you know, tries to be a hero. Yep. It's, it's a disaster, a complete disaster. But they still pull it off. Uh, yeah, it's a. I love the nun costume was so creepy. It was such a cool idea. Yeah, I thought that was like a genius touch to have to have that really creepy, really, really sticks with you. Great, great to put that on the poster. It makes you really curious, like what the fuck is going on here? You know, these guys with these giant assault rifles in nun masks about to, you know, and on the poster, there's the the the, the truck is behind them. And you're just kind of like, OK, I have to see that, you know, like it, it's it's one of those things that just kind of calls to you. If you're in, you're in, you know. Yeah, 100 percent. Good shit, man. Yeah, that, this movie fucking rules. Um, you know, there's only one category at the ask, actual Oscars. We've already talked a bunch about the supporting actor, um, you know, category and what it means to us and kind of our favorites. But in 2010, Christian Bale won for The Fighter. Great performance. Love that guy to death. It's cool that he has a win. Uh, he beat John Hawks for uh, Winter's Bone, Jeremy Renner for The Town. Mark Ruffalo for the kids are all right. And Jeffrey rush for the King's speech. This is a very interesting bunch of people. Um, if I had to give a vote, it'd definitely be Renner or bail. It's, it's tough. I'd probably side with bail, but just, just slightly. Well, bail does that thing that bail does where he yeah. himself and becomes that character, you know, erases Christian bail and becomes Dickie Edlin. Yeah. And- it's hard to compete with that shit, man. It's hard to compete with complete body transformation. Yeah, and, and and the the complete accent change and what he does with his eyes in that movie is like I I I I don't really love the fighter, but I love what him and Melissa Leo are doing in that movie. I think they're both like wonderful and totally deserve the the you know all the accolades. So I, I don't know. It's just tough, but. Those other three are like really interesting. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, you know, King's Speech is the movie that won Best Picture that year. He's great in that movie. Mark Ruffalo and the Kids Are All Right. I don't think anybody cares about that movie anymore. <laughs> um, I, I I own it. I like it. It's fine. But like, it's such an odd role to put up for Best Supporting Actor. It's just like, really? Like, especially when like Andrew Garfield and the Social Network is like right in front of you type thing. Just odd. Um or, or uh, Vincent Castle in, in uh, Black Swan. You know, there's just, there's things like that where you're like, huh. Um, John Hawks, though, never thought he would ever get this, that kind of, you know, 
um, a kind of a claim. But I, I like him in Winter's Bone. I think he's pretty good in it. Winter's Bone was so forgettable and such a yeah. boring movie. Yeah. I just don't really have much to say about it. That's that's totally fair. I totally get that. But I'm with you on Andrew Garfield and the social network. He 100% should have been there. Um, at the end of the day, I, I do give the, uh, the, you know, the bonus points to Bale for his commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just cool to see him, you know, win. I've always liked him as a performer, but also, you know, Jeremy Renner does excel and really prove himself here. Um, yeah. 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 There's, it, it, there's it makes sense. It makes sense that he was like one, like the only thing recognized. Like it, it's like, okay, I get it. But at the BAFTAs, Pete Postlewaite was nominated for best supporting actor. Yeah. And mm. that would have been cool. <laughs> yes, it would have been cool. I mean, I wish, you know, wish both of them had been up. Mm-hmm. The thing about supporting is it could be, you know, two minutes or hour and a half. Screen time doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of up to the judgment of, okay, like, what do they mean to the movie? And Ren- Renner, yeah, is in it a lot, but he's definitely, he's the sidekick. He's not, you know, this is Ben Affleck's movie, so. Very much feels like a, you know, little brother kind of syndrome. Where he's, you know, he's good at his, he's good at what he does, but he's not Doug. <laughs> I, no, he's not. Um, speaking of Doug, speaking of Ben Affleck, would you nominate him for Best Actor? No, but I would 100% nominate him for Best Director. Okay, let's talk about that then. So, Tom Hooper won for the King's Speech. Uh, he beat Darren Aronofsky for Black Swan. The Coen Brothers for True Grit. Ooh. David Fincher for The Social Network. Yeah. And David O. Russell for the fighter. Uh, man, who's he taking? Who's who's he taking out there? Tom Hooper, David O. Russell. That's just not fair. Um, all right, I got to. All right, I'm gonna come clean about the King's Speech. So, it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. Does not deserve to win Best Picture. Does not deserve okay. to win Best Director. It's pre- it's a pretty formulaic biopic that I enjoy, but I think that everyone kind of overhyped it. Uh, so I would take Tom Hooper out and I would put Affleck in there. I would give the win to David Fincher. Yeah. You're not going to get much argument here. Uh, I would definitely give it to the Coens or David Fincher. Uh, I probably side slightly with, with Fincher. I do think true grit is quite underrated. Um, but yeah, social network is kind of a once in a, once in a career kind of movie. Um, so best picture. The town obviously should be up for best picture, clearly. Yes. We have the King's Speech one. You just spoke about that. I, I pretty much agree with you. I think it's good. I think it's fine. But it's not something I'm like, oh my God. When I think of 2010, that movie is like, uh, still holds up. I, I think I've only seen it once since then. And, you know, I, you know, you know what I mean? That, that, that should matter. It, it's a movie that should be like relevant as time moves on. Um, it beat, this is a, this is a weird group. It beat 127 hours. Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, <laughs> funny, uh, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Weird group. <laughs> <laughs> when you're ten, mo- ten to, movies. When you're inflating it to 10, it's a, you know, it really becomes a like, we got two more spots, who's it going to be? It doesn't feel inclusive anymore, and you know, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, if, if I had, if it were, you know, if it were us, I would say, you know, throw the town in there. Let's cut it down to five. I think the town, social network, true grit, 
Now I'm kind of picking from these movies, not necessarily all of 2010. Yeah. Uh, the the Town Social Network, True Grit, Toy Story Three, and damn, after that it's hard. I would I would probably side with Black Swan, but I also would hear arguments for Inception because that movie was fucking huge. It was a big deal, had really good performances, and was really entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I, I certainly think King's Speech, 127 Hours, The Fighter. The kids are all right, and Winter's Bone are kind of like those aren't best picture movies, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, it's an interesting group. All right, my my five, hmm, yeah, I probably the town, true grit, social network, yep, yep, yep. I, yeah, fuck it, Toy Story 3. Oh, yeah, the movie tore me to pieces. It is a yeah, it's a great movie. And then for the fifth, I think I'd go off script. Um, I'm looking at what they've had to offer. Not really seeing anything else in there that screams best picture. So let's let's go off the rails. I'm, I'm down. I mean, if I were going off the rails, I'd go Blue Valentine. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I don't know. Ah, fuck. You know what? I'll go Blue Valentine too. That movie was was beautiful. Yeah, great, great performances. Really shattering, shattering movie. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like from that year, I'm like not looking at like I love fucking uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but I don't know if that's a fucking best picture movie. Um, yeah, 2010 yeah. is 2010 is odd. You got Deathly Hollows Part One. Um, Nah, yeah, not part one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe part two the next year. Uh, yeah, man, King Speech is in every goddamn category. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, 2010. Looking at my uh, letterboxed. There you go. Mm, yeah, there's not really anything here that that should be there. Um, no. Yeah, I'm gonna just yeah, I'm gonna cut it there. I like that. I like it. So, The Town, Social Network, True Grit, Toy Story 3, and Blue Valentine. That'd be a cool, that'd be a cool group. Yeah, I think a lot is represented there. It's definitely, you know, a best of the year category. And there's, you know, everything else still stands. You know, I think that the King's, I think Colin Firth deserved the win for the King's speech. I think he was amazing. Uh, That might be it, though. Yeah, that might be it for like actually winning. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I'd agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, uh, weird ceremony, but you know that that happens. I do love that the town is there, so we could have this episode. I've had a lot of fun, um, but you know, gotta come to a close here. Uh, I could I could quote this movie for the next nine hours, but gotta gotta stop at some point. Uh, this week is gonna be really really interesting. I'm actually super excited for all three of. The episodes we're going to be having uh, on our show here uh, on Wednesday, Filmgasm, Eyes Without a Face, 1960. It's a movie we've been wanting to see for sure. And it's kind of like a, I see it as a uh, a rep kind of movie where you're like, hey, if you've seen that movie, it's, it's it kind of says something about you. You know, it's one of those horror movies, one of those kind of genre films. Or it's it's a tentpole type movie for, for like the real, real horror fans. And so I'm excited. Uh, I'll, I'll be showing up on that episode with you. Yay. Awesome. Old, yeah. going old school. Back to the classics. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you used to do those all the time. So yeah, I'm excited. Before Oscar Sunday, I I, I was on Filmgasm every week with you and doing the bonuses. So that, that was a, that, that was a blast. I'm excited to come back and do it proper. Uh, on Friday, this is great because I love to hear people talk shit about this movie, The Dark Tower, from just a few years ago. Um, obviously, you know, Stephen King's great great book just got you know completely destroyed with this one, and uh, we'll never get it back. You know. Caleb and I, we, you know, we read all the Dark Tower books. We were very excited for that. We, we wanted it to be good, and they condensed eight books into an hour and a half movie that ignored the source material. Um, this was supposed to be a return to Salem's Lot because James Wan's Salem's Lot was supposed to come out this week, mm. but it got delayed indefinitely, been taken off the calendar, so we don't know when the fuck we're getting it. So we're going to save Salem's Lot too, but we still wanted to do King, so we went up with the Dark Tower. There you go. I like that. It's good. That's a good audible. Um, and then finally, next week on this show, we're going to be doing a 40th anniversary episode, 1982. One of the best horror films from that decade, Poltergeist. Ah. Uh, yeah. But we're, we've done this before on Film Guys a long time ago now. And it feels like, feels right to bring it to this show. Uh, when we do a horror movie on Film and it's been some time. We like to bring it over here to do a, a different take on it. Uh, so that'll be myself, Connor, and Caleb on that episode. We're going to talk about 1982, talk about some of our favorite movies from that year, probably do a top five or a draft of some sort, and and really praise Poltergeist and the masterpiece that it is. So I, I cannot wait. It's going to be really cool to redo that that movie. I'm excited to watch. I haven't seen it since we did that episode. It is such a classic. It is so creepy. It is so fun. And I'm ex- I'm excited to talk about it again with everything I've gathered since. Mm, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be going to be an absolute blast. So yeah, keep up with us this week. Um, you know, follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram at filmgasm. Check out our website. We've got reviews up, you know, all the time. Connor's got, you know, as we speak, like three King Kong uh, reviews up there. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. Keep watching movies.